Hello and welcome back to the Primary Education Voices podcast, the podcast dedicated to the exciting world of primary education with me, your host, Matt Roberts. If you are a member of staff in primary education, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, we'll be interviewing a special guest who works in a primary setting and be finding out what inspires them. We'll be asking them for their top tips, resources and philosophies that they are passionate about in this wonderful profession. And of course, share some of the funny stories that happen along the way. Uh, Today, I was uh, for episode 22, which to begin with was very um, interesting because this person shared that that was actually one of their lucky numbers. And so when I told them it would be episode 22, uh, they were a bit stunned. That was great. Uh, But I finally get to sit down and uh, have a chat with Paul Hume. Uh, Paul is on Twitter at TeacherPaul1978. Uh, and he has he was actually recommended very early on in this whole process uh, that I wanted to get started with this podcast. And we were finally able to sit down and have this great discussion together. Uh, Paul was was wonderful. And actually, the discussion that we had was a really uh, interesting um, insight into just how we as teachers work within this teaching profession that we have. How can we make sure we take care of ourselves? How can we make sure that we are our well-being is looked after? And how can we make sure that we have everything we need to then perform and teach successfully in the classroom for our children as well? Uh, I just thought uh, it was a really interesting discussion. So I'm not going to give away too much. I'll share some of my uh, thoughts uh, in the summary afterwards. But sit back, relax and enjoy uh, the Primary Education Voices episode with Paul Hume. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Paul Hume. How are you doing today, Paul? I'm good, thanks, Matt. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. Enjoying the weekend. (laughs) And uh, yeah, ready. To, I'm excited to sit down and chat with you, Paul. We've uh, we've had a couple of uh, point of time set up, but we've always missed each other. And so I'm grateful to be able to see you finally today. Yeah, me too. Excellent. Well, let's start first of all, as we always do, with our quick fire questions for you. So first of all, Paul, what is your Twitter handle? So teacher Paul 1978. Excellent. Uh, fantastic. How many years have you been in primary education? Well, um, could just say about. About 16 years 16 years fantastic thank you and in that 16 years paul what has been your primary journey so far so what roles have you had during that time um so i was after my nqt i was promoted to a, a re leader um afterwards humanities lead uh then key stage one phase lead and then um deputy deputy head Excellent. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, and throughout all, because we get to teach loads of subjects in primary education, uh, what for you is your favourite subject and why? It's a good question. The whole, re- I think the whole reason I found my way into primary education is because I love, uh, I love all subjects. It was really hard for me to choose uh, a degree um, at uni because yeah. uh, I had so many different interests. Um, but I have to say maybe English at the moment, English, uh, particularly comprehension and uh, the analysis of reading. Mm, that's great. And wh- why does that take your, uh, take your interest at this moment in time for you, Paul? I don't know. I had a really passionate English teacher at high school who just made us fall in love with that. Um, I just loved the way that she, I don't know, helped us to sort of really see through the text. I just loved her passion for it. And I think that's where it's come from. Yeah. Um, and that got me passionate about it. Like, I absolutely, I know this might sound strange, but I really loved my English A-level equivalent. Well, it was higher grade than Scotland. Um, I really loved that exam. I don't know, but it, it was down to her. 
Miss Walsh. Um, yeah. So That's... I have to say it's from it's from her from her passion. That's great. And that we might actually talk about that in a moment. But it, I kind of resonate with what you were saying as well at the start of that answer with um, the idea of loving all the subjects. You know, when I was thinking about my yeah. course and what I would do, like I couldn't look beyond primary education because I just loved everything really, and getting that uh, breadth was great. Um, thinking about your education, you mentioned a teacher that had an impact on you. Uh, who for you yeah. has been a favourite teacher in your own education, and why were they one of your? Why do they stand out to you? Okay, so yeah, my, the first teacher, so back in primary school, was Mrs. Bizet, and she was my primary seven, that's year six uh, equivalent, uh, teacher. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she was just great. You know, she, just like Miss Walsh at high school, okay, with her passion for English, uh, she just was just so good. She's, she'd been there, she'd been teaching for a long time, um, but she'd obviously never fallen out of love with it. Um, I just remember the projects that we did, and she just made our learning so much fun. It's that that's the sort of that's the teacher I want to be. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. yeah, and then at, you know we had a couple of those, and then at high school there was uh, yeah, like I said, my English teacher was Walsh, but we had uh, there was quite a few that were really passionate. My IRE teacher as well was really passionate. My history teacher as well, and and just seeing the way that. Yeah, my physics teacher as well. Sorry, I could keep going on. I could keep listening, but it's maybe because of that that it's probably instilled in me this love for what I do as well and what I want to be and inspire to be, aspire to be. Sorry. Yeah, that, I, I love that because it, it it sounds like those teachers that stood out to you, and it sounds like there's quite a few are the yeah, teachers that were passionate about what they did, um, and I completely get that. You know, obviously for us as teachers, that's what we need to try and instill with the kids is that love of learning, whatever that might be. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Um, and finally, the last of the quick fire questions. Uh, if you had to, or if you already do uh, one of them, what after school club would you run, Paul? Ooh. Yeah, I've done a few. I really enjoyed it when I ran a glee club. That was that was fun. Um, and that, I think that was of its time, though, wasn't it? It's kind of past that now. But it was really great at the time. I think, uh, yeah, just the singing and dancing. Then my fashion club, that was really good. I'd probably do. Yeah, I'd probably do like fashion club after school. Excellent. Because what uh, was nice is I ran a like like a fashion course, but it was nice to see like um, to show how like boys could get into it and, and what they could do with it as well. Because they were sort of put off at the beginning of it, but uh, you know, the more that they joined, the more they could see like the benefits of it and the, the discipline of fashion and design. That's really that's a really fascinating one. So, so so tell me about kind of what a half term would look like in that fashion club. Then, what kind of activities, what journey would they go through with you? Okay, so they go through the the design process. So we start off with the research and finding out what they love, mm. um, moving on to the sort of picking out the the elements of that research, the elements of the things that they find that they that they love, um, to the development process. So putting these ideas together. Um, Sort of focus and then focusing on what customer that they're aiming this this for, and then um, developing that design for them. And then at the end of it, well, we started with like t-shirt design first of all, and then changing like the t-shirt depending on who they were designing for. Um, but yeah, we teach them like sewing skills as well. Um, <laughs> be like a whole structure. So we'd end with the product. Yeah, I so love design that. to. Yeah, and like and like you say, getting boys and girls involved in that, and just seeing just kind of what they can produce, and and, and just what a great uh, skill that could be going forward. That's a, that's a, sounds really really good. Love that idea. 
Yeah. Um, fantastic. Well, um, those are the quickfire questions done. So we've kind of got to know you a bit, a bit more there, Paul. So I appreciate that. So we'll go into the questions which you're a bit more aware of now. And so uh, looking forward to getting to know a bit deeper now what your kind of passions about primary education are. So first of all, what inspired you in the first place to get involved in primary education? Where did it all begin for you, Paul? <laughs> I think if with in hindsight, it's, it started when, uh, from school, hmm. when I was at school. And I had such a good experience of school, primary school and high school. Um, and then even then at college and then at university as well, I was constantly surrounded by passionate educators all the way through my my, my education journey. I didn't go into education after school, though. I went into fashion, I went into fashion design at, at university, um, which is quite interesting. And then sort of, I don't know, rode the waves of life trying to find what I, where I belonged in the world. And then um, it wasn't until I started working as a teaching assistant um, where I started to see that the possibility of teaching being a career for me Although I started in, in secondary schools, um, there was no appeal there. I enjoyed helping the children, assisting them with you know their needs, etc. Assisting the teacher sometimes with what well, depends on the subject we were in. Uh, but it wasn't until I was placed in a primary school that that's where I actually found yes, this is where I belong. This is what I could do, and um, yeah, and, and it went from there. So I trained at the school on the old, the old GTP the old GTP program. Okay, yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, the rest is history. Amazing. That's great. I love that. That idea of just kind of going into that into that role of a TA and just seeing that setting. And interesting, yeah. you started in secondary and it, it was good, but it didn't quite fit right with you. And then you went into primary yeah. and that was, that was it for you. I guess, first of all, I, there's a couple of things I want to draw out from that. I guess, first of all, why, yeah. what about primary stood out to you ahead of secondary, perhaps? Yeah. Okay. Just... I, I guess it was because you've got that class for the whole for the whole time. So it's like you've developed that. What I was seeing, what was I what I was witnessing was this teacher had this had created this lovely family with their with their class. Yeah. Um, and then seeing the, and then focusing on seeing those changes and the growth that that class go through and the changes in the children that they go through and, and the maturity over the year. I think that's just what really appealed to me about like nurturing that that group and taking them forward um, for a long period of time whereas in secondary school one I don't think I would want to teach just one subject um, for, the, for the whole time and two you weren't yeah okay you're guaranteed to have the, like the odd uh, you know child or but this was like a whole class would be like wasn't wasn't very good so you might have the odd you might have a great class here, a great class there, then you might get this really challenging um, class as well. I, I don't know. It was just a different feel. So I, I felt more um, of a family at the primary school setting than the yeah. uh, secondary school setting. Yeah, I think that definitely is something with primary that is a big appeal for, for primary teachers. Obviously, secondary teachers, we need them as well in doing that important role yeah. as well. I think for primary teachers, when I speak to them often up through this podcast, it is that idea that you get this class that you get to build those really strong relationships with those kids because you're with them the entire week, generally, uh, and it, it's a really good um, setting there. I guess one more question I want to ask you about this journey is that what what kind of led you to be in a in a TA role in a secondary school in the first place? Kind of what what was that transition from you know being in that fashion setting to being a, a TA in a secondary school? 
Yeah, we we were just in any jobs after university, just to survive and get by. Mm. I was working in hospitals. I was working in kitchens. I was working in restaurants, scrubbing pots, doing this, that, the next thing. Yeah. Um, it was my partner got a job in London. That's where we, we were in Manchester. And we moved to London. Mm. We got a job down here, and then um, we were looking for like a second. He was looking for like a second job, and he found an agency that specialised in education. And then he got a job uh, working as a teaching assistant in um, a special needs school in uh, southeast London somewhere. And then he, he thought I'd be really good to uh, join him there. So I tried it as well. I went there as well. And, um, so, yeah, we started in like a special uh, special um, education needs. Wow. And, that's, and then you just kind of stumbled uh, into it and... And there yeah, you are, and then, you we were, then we were sent off to high uh, secondary schools. Yeah, in the in the local area, girls' schools. Um, well, it was mostly girls' schools actually, and then one mixed uh, school mm. in Middleville. Wow, that's great. So yeah, again, it, it's uh, fascinating. It sounds like you've had kind of a variety of different roles and things that you had before this, and then you kind of went into the education, and that was it. And that that's great. Well, obviously, we, we love primary education. This is what this podcast is all about. And in primary education, we have quite a few funny stories that happen along along the way. So for you, Paul, what's one of the funniest stories you can share with us from your time in primary education? I just remember constantly guessing it wrong when I was ordering things. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I remember ordering, like, this was my role as, as face aid, and I had to or, order um, reading boxes for our corners. Mm. And there was a three, four entry, so it was like, um, I think we needed like I can't remember how many it was, 90 boxes I think but small Yeah. and I'd misread the measurements and just assumed it was one particular size, anyway the next day the next day the office called me over to to like one of the, the meeting rooms which they had had to store these giant uh, I'd, I'd never seen boxes this size before um, they'd filled the room basically so wow. I had ordered nine, 90 of these 10 litre boxes and it was just like it was just ridiculous so it was like you could fit a child in each box but that wasn't what we were trying to do and then um so i just remember that just getting that wrong that i mean that's one that that sticks with me i just picture these 90 boxes just filling this room <laughs> i'm thinking what are you doing with all these boxes and that could fit a child in is it <laughs> that's it that's a great <laughs> I had someone ordering an entire room full of boxes yet. <laughs> so that's a really good one. Uh, okay. We'll be on to your, th- your primary three now. Uh, and so the kind of the things which you've shared ahead of time that for you, if you were to be asked, what are the most, the primary things about primary education that for you, Paul, are really important? Uh, for those that are listening, that's what the primary three is. Uh, and so you've sent me those ahead of time, which I'm really grateful for. And so the first one that you've sent me through is honesty. So out of all the philosophies, resources, top tips, everything you could have chosen, why is for you honesty one of the primary three for you, Paul? Yes, I chose these three because these are some of the the lessons I've had to learn. And and those are the three that have really resonated with me and have have, uh, my experience has shaped. Those three things have shaped my experience and have, have given me the greatest lessons uh, to help me just to be who I am now, to be um, like for my mental health, for my well-being. Um, so yeah, definitely. I mean, it starts with honesty, really. Um, honest with yourself, but honest with others as well. So it's not just about being honest with 
your colleagues. It's about being honest with yourself. You know what your um, what your abilities are, um, what you're capable of. Um, I guess with that comes integrity. So making sure that you know you put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. With uh, and that impacts so much in terms of relationships. Yeah. Your relationships with the children, your relationships with your colleagues. Yeah, I think you it, kind of have to be. You have to be true to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's it's something which we talked about before as well. Is about this idea of you know sometimes we if we want to get a particular job in a certain school or, or we find ourselves yeah. in a certain situation sometimes we decide to act or or even if we watch or observe other teachers teaching and we see something that they yeah. do sometimes we think oh well, I'm going to try and do it like them when actually yeah that's not. The, the right thing to take from it sure we take you know approaches and and pedagogies from those teachers but actually being them is not the goal of that i think that's that's kind of what you're talking about there with that being honest with yourself uh, and you know leading to those better relationships because you are being you uh you know which i think yeah. is really important yeah um because you really have to sort of it took me a while but you think you've got one idea about yourself when you first start out in your teaching journey you think yes this is it this is me this is why this is what I can do. This is what I'm able to do. And actually, sometimes you're just not, you're not, you don't really know yourself really until you've, I don't know, you've, you've, you've been on that journey. There's lots of experience that you need to go through, I think, to really um, sort of mold that. Yeah. And there's still many more experiences to come, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the key as well. This is not the end. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think like that's it. That's the point is that, you know, today, all, all people listening, like you think you know yourself now, but actually, you know, we're not done yet. <laughs> There's still a number of opportunities, experiences and things to come. Uh, obviously, you say it's these are some of the lessons that you've learned. So is there some kind of experiences along the way that have taught you the importance of honesty and being honest with yourself? Yeah, and it came from working in a larger team, I think. Um, I did have experience of one form entry, you know, so you were pretty much, you know, that was you planning yourself. But when it comes to working in a team, in a big team, I started off in a, a three-form entry, and um, I've worked in five-form entries since, and and so on. Um, your sort of your skills uh, and your honesty really is um, put to the test in a in a in a team like that, mm. because you can't just. Well, you can you can try you can try going it alone but it's that's not really going to benefit the team mm. and ultimately won't benefit you and then it won't ultimately won't benefit the children which is what we're trying to achieve um so yeah i did have to learn the hard way like coming into a team and, and working out what that means to work in a team and what that what that involves um that was a big lesson that was a big lesson one of my first learning curves was that mm. um and then, yeah, it just goes from there. Hmm. But yeah, I have to say, so a five form entry sounds huge. Like I've worked yeah. in a three form, and I've worked in a one form, but five <laughs> form, I've not ever had that experience. Five I'm form. sure there's many listeners who are listening who've not had that experience. What, what was that kind of like working in a team of a five form entry for a school? Yeah, I've worked in two five form entry schools. Really? Um, so across two sites. Yeah. Uh, both of them were across two sites. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was a whole different ballgame. So three from entry was 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 hard to navigate, but actually five from entry was 
is even, <laughs> is even greater. And across two sites as well, it's really hard. So when we, we come together at both sites for, for PPA, we'd have to travel, we'd alternate which sites we go to for that. Mm. Um, it was great though, because then you've got so many people sharing the burden. Um, and but as Faisley, I could imagine it being quite tricky to pull out to keep that to keep that sort of um, that team spirit going mm. uh, to manage those. I could imagine that'd be quite difficult. But communication was key, mm. so making sure and making sure we all understood what we were doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, communication definitely. Was, yeah. And that's that's that. sometimes a challenge, isn't it? In a, in a primary school communication, when there's so many things flying around and so many things to do, it's a challenge. But that. Sounds great. Yeah, but then you have to identify everyone's strengths. So, and 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 that helps as well. So once it, once you've identified which you know what you're strongest at, then uh, who's best at this? Who's best for this? Who's best for this? Um, yeah, yeah. And like you say, that then brings us back to that honesty point, doesn't it? You, you know, you have to yeah. be open and honest and just say, yeah, I feel really great with this. I can definitely do that. Or if something comes on, you just say, I don't know how comfortable I feel with that. I don't know really how I go about doing it. You know, it's that honesty that is key. Um, yeah. yeah. But then you've got a team there that, you know, you don't have to struggle. You know, it's important then to speak out about it and being honest with yourself. You know, when you, when you can't, if there's something that you're just unable to do or you're finding it really difficult. In that, in that situation as well, that's when the team is, is even more crucial and you have to lean on each other. Definitely. And that, I think that can take courage, really, just to be able to yeah. find out yourself and understand, yeah. you know, what you're strong at, what maybe you're not so strong at. I guess to, to kind of wrap up this discussion about honesty, what are some top tips that you would have for a teacher who hasn't really sat down and thought about that, about finding out what kind of teacher they are, finding out what strengths they are? What would you tell them to do? What would be your advice for them? I mean, I'm just thinking, like, if I was to talk to myself back then as well, um, just like, don't worry. Like, you go in, so it brings out a lot of insecurities in the beginning as well, because you you sort of you, you want to get on, you want to move on, you you're seeing other people um, doing well, and you want to be praised for that. You want, or sometimes you want to do better than that to get to get the praise as well. And you go through this whole like I just remember being so insecure in the beginning. And I've just felt like, feel like saying to myself, you know, just stop, calm down and enjoy the journey. Enjoy it. Do what you can. Do what you're able to do and do it well. Mm. But don't be, don't be in competition um, because it's not, it's not a quick race. It's not a sprint. This, this journey is a, is a, is a marathon. Mm. So you've got to go easy on yourself. But you know, that... Go easy on yourself. That's what. Absolutely. If I if I could catch a soundbite from this discussion so far, that'd be it. That's just take it. Be easy on yourself. You know, it's mm-hmm. calm down, enjoy the journey. Be easy on yourself. Like I think, like you say, you look around sometimes. You think, oh, they're doing this and they're doing that, and I'm not. And that doesn't matter. You know, as long as you are doing what you can and you are playing to your strengths and do what you can, that's really great. That's great advice. Uh, well, we'll move on to your second of the primary three then, uh, Paul, um, after that. And so yeah. you talked about, I think there'd be, there'd be, may, there may be a bit of a link here as well. So, yeah. Yeah. so uh, what, go ahead. So, yeah, it follows on from, from, the, from being honest with yourself about knowing your limits. And, that, and that's it. The capacity is, you know, we all have different capacities and um, you need to know what yours is. I mean, the experience will eventually show you what your capacity is mm. 
the more you stick with it, you, you will realize eventually what your capacity is. But um, just be aware and just look after that. Look after your, look after the vessel, and look after, and that is, you know, or and realize what you've got the capacity and what you're capable of of achieving as well. Mm-hmm. You know, believing yourself and yeah. believe, believe that you are, you know, yeah. capable of of so much. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point. You know, it can come down to the, what we were talking about before about knowing yourself, knowing what you can do and not overthinking that too much. But actually, it can also work the other way of, you know, you can achieve great things, you can do great things, you know, with that passion and that desire that you have for this job, you know, you can go many places. Uh, I just had, um, I just came back with from a residential with my year six this week. Uh, and they were talking a lot about this idea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a little tired. <laughs> but um <laughs> We were, they were talking a lot about kind of this comfort zone, panic zone, and somewhere in the middle, there's your stretching zone. Uh, and they were talking a lot about the children, because obviously, you know, for those kids, the, some of those experiences were really kind of daunting things. And it's often, it is often the kids that you wouldn't think would find that some of those things difficult, like some of the more kids that with bigger bravado, when they get to the lake and they're trying to build a raft and they're about to go on that raft, they just panic because yeah. they're like, and you wouldn't expect it from those kids. Um, but we all have, you know, like you say, these different capacities for different things and finding that sweet spot, I think, between comfort and panic, uh, it is where we grow. Yeah. For ourselves and also for the children and believing what children are capable of of achieving too. Mm. So it's, it's, it's both. And also, yes, of course, like stretching that capacity and stretching it through, uh, the lessons, through mistakes, through, um, all the experience you go through, stretching that capacity even more, but you've got to be careful as well that you don't allow others to draw from that capacity too much. Because mm. um, often, like, you can give too much of yourself away and then you're left with not much left to give. And that's the danger point. Yeah. Um, so be careful. So, I've, yeah, I've experienced that. I've gone into negative capacity, I, I suppose, if that's what you want to call it, but, um, and, and being drained and allowed it to happened to me um so it's kind of like yeah just be careful but but push it as well so making sure you know your capabilities and what you're capable of and 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 what you can achieve with the children as well yeah definitely obviously uh, it sounds like you're speaking from personal experience there about this this idea of knowing you and and yeah. knowing what your capacity is as well it is i feel like you, you're kind of sharing quite something that you've learned along the way which is what this is all about uh, i mean i don't want to pry too much and if you're willing to share what you're willing to share great you know but in terms of when you were in that moment or that time where perhaps you were giving more than you had or you felt that you were able yeah. to give what were some yeah. things you did to try and because i'm sure there's many people listening that probably mm-hmm. have found themselves in that situation or will find themselves or are finding themselves in that position we all do at times i'm sure at some point yeah what did you do to kind of help pull yourself from that that negative zone of capacity where you were giving too much than you had um, i guess that's where i found that's that's where i leaned on my spirituality a lot mm-hmm. and my faith came into that. Um, friends helped. I found exercise. That's where I found my running. Mm-hmm. So I do run, run regularly. Yeah. Uh, that really helped in terms of my mental health. <clears throat> friends 
just talking as well, communicating about it, talking about it. Mm. Um, and just being still. Um, and then realizing just because I was determined that this was not going to, I was not going to be put off teaching. Mm. So I was determined because I loved the job. I loved what I was doing. I loved, uh, you know, teaching children. Um, I was determined not to allow anything ever again to sort of affect that. Mm. Um, and so I drew on those positives around me, focused on the positives. What is the positives? And took it day by day. So each day was just, what can I do today? And what do I need to do today? And actually, not what do I need to do today? What do I need to do right this minute? Mm. Actually, in the minute. Because there's a lot of the time I spent worrying about the future and things like that. And actually not enough time in the present. So most of the what I was doing was living in the future mm. and not actually here in the now. Um, and so focusing on the job at hand. And just I just persevered. So I just got up every day at the same time, um, planned my day. This is what I will do now. This is what I will do then. And stuck with it. And it helped. And it, it was fine. In the end, it was fine. And I developed this sort of... And it wasn't like a topic serial, but more of a strength, an inner strength. Um and was able to start saying no more mm. um, and saying yes when I was, when I honestly could do something and no when I really couldn't. Mm. And also um, speaking up for others who were in similar situations, so helping them, but also speaking up for them. Because sometimes we, sometimes you can go quiet and you can go into yourself with that worry and take that in. And that might, well, for whatever reason, you know, for protection, for defense, or just because you, you're frightened of, of showing weakness or whatever it is. But actually, your greatest strength is probably is there. That's where, where you'll find that greatest success. Yeah, that's really inspirational. Some really, it's really practical things, actually, that I think all of us can really take on board. And even if perhaps we're not in a situation where we feel we are having that experience in our moments in our lives right now, you just never know. I mean, I, I can I can tell from personal experience. You just never know what's around the corner, uh, and I think no. it's um, it's something which, as long as you know, like you said, kind of a list of things you can do to kind of ground yourself into you and where you are now. Like you said, you, obviously uh, with faith or friends, running, being still, um, and yeah. thinking about what you need to do right now. That's a really good point. I, yeah. I, I, I I'm I'm sure with many teachers can can. Um, sympathize with someone who is perhaps on a tuesday night they've got a staff meeting to go to they've got this this book monitoring going on later in the week they've got this lesson coming up which they're not very confident about they've got all these things flying around they've got this display which is looking awful and they've not changed it for, for a half term and they know they need to get around to change that and you just kind of sit there and go you can be an overload you really can and then of course like you say if you've said yes to certain other things as well which you just know that it's going to be a real struggle just thinking right now, right this moment, what can I do? What do I need to do? And what needs to happen? And I think that's a really, um, really important message there. Uh, any any more thoughts on capacity there from you, Paul? No, well, because that really helped. All of that experience helped. And what I took from that really helped me when my mum suddenly passed away two, um, two years ago. Mm. And that really helped. Those Some of the things I did for that actually helped me deal with it quicker than I think I would have. I don't know, being in that sort of dark place myself a yeah. while back. I suppose, um, I suppose it's, would you say it was kind of like at that moment that made you recognise what was important in life? Like, yeah. 
saying yes to all these things that perhaps you didn't need to and and mm. focusing on the on the important things i guess would you say yeah exactly yeah. um and then whereas previously then it, that helped me sort of be there for others and be there for the t- be there for the team it was it was through that that i became phase lead mm. um with the with the idea that i would be protecting the staff as well as helping you know everyone and, and uh, the children but um then I had to step up and help look after my brothers and sisters who were yeah. as the eldest brother. So it can, that kind of helped as well to yeah. deal with all of that. Wow. That's great. I mean, it, it sounds like that you'd be a great person to work with. Just kind of that, that awareness that you have with uh, other people and, and their needs and thinking about others. That, that's great. Um, we'll move on then uh, to, to the last of your primary three, Paul. That's great. Thank you for that. Uh, and that one is preparation. So, in all of this, we're talking about knowing ourselves, talking about what, knowing what we're able to do and have the capacity to do. Why is preparation a really important one of the primary three for you in primary education? Yeah, and it's not just about being prepared for your lessons. It's, it's about being prepared to teach. So it's being prepared for the education journey. You know, the things that you can do, like, you know, get up in the morning, have your breakfast, so you've got enough energy to get through the morning. But in teaching, it's been that being prepared for for what's to come for what's to come that day and for what's to come in your journey as well it's building up that all of those things that we've talked about before is a culmination of all that preparation uh, that goes into um helping you have a successful journey excellent yeah, so would you would you say when you're talking about being prepared, like you say, it's not just having your lesson plans in place and resources printed yeah. and all that stuff. That's, yeah. that's obvious, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's more kind of everything around your life and kind of, you know, yes. making sure for you, you are prepared to make it through. Yeah. Are you in the best shape for it? So that includes all around you, yeah, and what you're doing each day. Have you got the right support around you? Mm. Have you got people that are contributing to your capacity and not taking from it? Mm. Um, you know, I've had to let go of, of people like that myself, but that's been it's been good. It's been good because it's actually allowed me to have more positivity in my life. Mm. Um, yeah, making sure there's enough positivity around. Um, yeah, that, that's um, that's really interesting. That's a really insightful thought. This because I think we talk so much about prepare being prepared, and you know we'd have. PPA time to prepare our lessons and prepare our weeks but actually you know it, it's making sure that we it, it's, the, it's this hierarchy of needs isn't it it's making sure that yeah. we have those things in place we talk so much about the children how we need to make sure they feel secure they feel comfortable they have got you know physically all the things uh, like they're not hungry or things like that that they're prepared to go through the day but then we go in without having had breakfast <laughs> you know and it's uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, paradigm that, or a paradox really is the word that we're thinking so much about the needs of the children that, you know, have we taken a thought that day to, to be prepared or, or have what we need for ourselves? Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Great. Uh, would you have any, any top tips or any, any, any advice around how teachers can be more prepared, you know, for the educational day or journey ahead of them? You mentioned breakfast is, is an important thing. Uh, is there anything else, you know, for, for you that's really important in terms of being prepared for that journey of the day? Yeah, you need to look after your well-being. So it's finding those things that that you can do that it takes you out of that that mindset and keeps you still whatever that may be mm. so that 
and so I make sure that once a week I leave early, and that's my that's when I'll run that evening, or mm. I'll you know whatever it is, I'll listen to music or whatever it is you need to do and find that time in the week where you can just find that stillness and I've structured the day so that I stop at this time I've decided that that's my stop time and for the, and then this is my build up towards my bedtime so in that time this is what I'll do I'll read or I'll um, whatever but I've structured my day so that this is the time that I will stop and then once a week I'll leave early so I can you know yeah, take time for me take time for you I think that's... Um... Take time for others. You know, you've got others that you need to look after too, outside school. You know, friendships work both ways. You need to be there for others too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's not forget, you know, whilst we whilst this podcast is all about primary education and we love primary education and we're talking all about primary education, we all have lives as well. <laughs> uh, exactly. And we need to take time with those family and those friends and not when we go to see our friends just talk primary education all the time because it's <laughs> the thing that's on our mind uh, i'm yeah. sure we can uh, some of us can uh, empathize with that and sometimes do that um but yeah i think like that's really important is is looking after your well-being and like you say planning your, those times i think we can very easily get sucked into that working week and we just before you know it we're yeah. there at five six o'clock every day because we've got so many things to do but actually taking that time to think, no, I need to have one day set. This day I'm leaving early, no matter what. Those things that I, I'm thinking in my head need to get done, they will get done, the important things anyway. Um, and finding that thing that takes you out of that mindset. Obviously for you, Paul, it's it's running that you've mentioned already. But obviously yeah, for others, fine. I mean, it may not be running. They may hate that idea of going out and running. <laughs> <laughs> and that, well, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't help their well-being. But, you know, it could be, yeah. it could be absolutely anything, couldn't it? Of course, yeah. That that's uh, that's really important. Uh, we actually just had a well-being day actually for our year sixes uh, recently, and it was taught and it was nice because they had kind of sports, a, a game, team building activity for one of the sessions. But then another session they had a bit of yoga and meditation and well-being in there. And I know that you know some, for some people the idea of doing that again is that they just they don't like the idea of that, and that's perfectly fine. They just need to find what they what helps their well-being. But for others, that could be really helpful. And I think because we're all unique, aren't we? We all have um, different needs and different likes. And yeah. Um, so yeah, that's... And your class will have as well. Yeah. So it's like it's finding those moments in the week where you can just stop with your class and just be still with your class. And that could be with a book, it could be through yoga, dance, uh, art, whatever it is, just to stop and be still mm-hmm. and help them find the moments to be still in the week. Cause it's so busy sometimes. And yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah that it's I'm hard because of time yeah. is hard i get that but yeah. i think the stillness and that well-being is is ultimately you know so important i, I completely agree with you on that i think that you know the, the 10 minutes or so because it doesn't have to be that long it can be a no, minutes no. of just grounding them back to where they are you know i think that you know has such an impact on the rest of the day that everything goes much more smoothly if you don't do that perhaps and try and squeeze in that extra handwriting practice or you try and squeeze in that extra whatever it is you're trying to squeeze into the school day because yeah. uh, we all do it <laughs> uh, trying to get all these things done uh, but like you say whether it is and you know the class you know the context you know the children you know the idea of doing some meditation may not sit well with those kids but listening to a good story or whatever it is that, that they might enjoy you know it's just finding that time to, to give them that moment to just breathe and think which i think is really important yeah 
So like you say, applies to us as teachers, but again, applies mm-hmm. to the kids and think about how we prepare them for the day and how they can be so. of that time out as well. That's great. These are some, these are some, these have been some really good things <laughs> to think about. And I'm just thinking now about, you know, in my week, you know, I, I, I like to be hundred miles an hour getting things done, but where, where can I find those moments? It's been, it's been really uh, insightful this. Uh, so thank you, Paul. I really appreciate those uh, primary three. Uh, as we start to wrap this up then, is there anyone that you would recommend for a future uh, interview on this podcast? Yes, there's quite a lot I would recommend and they probably see this every week with my kindness ripples. Um, but um, Tom Griffiths, uh, Chris Harrison would be a couple of great ones, Penny Whelan, Rani Tawani, Adam Woodward, uh, Hazel Pinner, Matt DeShane, uh, Rob Watson. I mentioned Rob because he does a weekly Wellbeing Wednesday uh, where he, he gathers ideas and um, we all contribute uh, you know, towards uh, suggestions for how we might look after our well-being and tips and advice. That would be quite good one. I think, and I think actually something that we haven't mentioned yet but that you've just mentioned now is kind of the the support out there in, in Twitter yeah. and, and all these places like that. I think uh, I've I've kind of dipped in and out of Twitter over the years due to my I've got I've had I've had young kids and now they've they've grown up a bit more so I have a little bit more time perhaps to kind of delve into to the the Twitter world but I think that um, it just looks like there's so many great and genuine and outreaching people on there that really care it's, about your well being. It's so good. This last year, I think this has really helped finding the community on Twitter. Um, I mentioned in the kindness ripple as well, which was quite good. Uh, Rich Simpson as well does a lot. Yeah. Uh, book uh, blogs and recommendations yeah um it's just been wonderful support um yeah I've, i'm just in awe of all the sort of the connections that I've, that I've made but i think that's really helped as well i think as teachers we could this is such an opportunity to connect and lean on each other and just just um just be with each other and just share that that love of teaching and just and sometimes not not talking about teaching as well just yeah. being around others who are going through similar things it's just so nice it's just so lovely absolutely and you mentioned the kindness ripple and we, and we did have a little discussion uh, so rich simpson's been on a previous episode for listeners okay. that haven't haven't been on uh, that episode yet that was uh, episode seven i believe uh, so if you want to go back and listen to rich that'll be a really good uh, kind of companion to this one i think he talks quite a bit about that towards the end and you mentioned uh, adam woodward uh, we've had him on the podcast episode nine so listeners you've heard the recommendation here so let go back to episode nine and hear why 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 paul uh, recommends adam woodward so much but those other ones uh one or two i've had mentioned before so i can't wait to try and contact them and get them on my list now i've uh, my list is starting to go through i've got a lot to get through but i'll definitely try and catch up with them uh, so thank you very much for your time, Paul. I've got one final question for you, okay? For you, what is the best thing about being in primary education? It's got to be the children. I know that it might sound a bit cheesy, but yeah, it is the children. It's the children that get me through the day. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's lovely. Every day is different as well with them. They always bring something different every day. Every day is a new day uh, with them. Mm. And once you once they come in the door, it's just... It's wonderful. So you might, yeah, you might have a, your little nerves or, oh, you're worried about this and that. And the next thing, as soon as the children come in, they take it all away. Yeah. And uh, it's just great being with them. It's just lovely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. W- wonderful way to finish the, the episode there because I think those thoughts I completely agree with those. Thank you so much for joining us today, Paul. I've really enjoyed that discussion. It's <laughs> really kind of reflective things to think about for, for our listeners, I think. And so I really appreciate that. And thank you for your time on Primary Education Voices. Well, thank you so much, Matt. 
Well, wasn't that fantastic? Uh, Paul uh, has had you know some great um, experience in the world of primary education for sixteen years. He's worked in a various number of roles in Key Stage One as a phase lead, as, as a deputy head, uh, and I just thought he brought a lot of interesting uh, thoughts about how we can make sure, as teachers in the primary education sector, how we can look after our well-being and make sure that we are in the right frame of mind. Um, I loved his primary three and and about how we he talked about being honest with ourselves. Uh, and needing to go through experiences that may be challenging to stretch ourselves, uh, and that through this uh, we can then, you know, be able to develop and, and gain further experiences and skills. Um, I loved his um, idea about how we need to, if he was to give any advice to anyone that was going through a time that they were struggling with, uh, that they need to calm down and enjoy the journey and just, you know, relax a bit more. And that can be very difficult, I think, for us as primary educators. I think that in the the primary education, uh, many teachers and TAs are very much, in some ways, perfectionists. They they want to get things right for their kids. Uh, They want to make sure that everything is as good as it can be. Uh, But in reality, we we need to look after ourselves. That's the most important thing. And this is actually something that I've noticed has been coming up quite often as a a theme uh, at some stages through these episodes is this idea of being honest with yourself, knowing your your capacity, and then not going beyond that too far. In fact, just thinking about saying no sometimes, as as Paul mentioned in his chat, um, and he you could tell that he really spoke from some personal experience about needing to make sure we we don't uh, that we are honest with ourselves and that we work to our capacity, and that where we have more capacity, use that, go out and achieve more, and, and do that. Uh, but then making sure we don't overstretch ourselves uh, and being prepared for that educational journey. And he's not talking about, as he mentioned, you know, making sure you've got everything printed off or that you've got your lesson plans ready and everything like that, but just making sure that you're prepared for the day. You know, we talk so often about making sure children have what they need in the class. They need to have the right things in place to be able to learn. Uh, they need to be, they need to have the comfort and security. They need to be well fed or at least not be hungry. Uh, you need to have all these basic needs in place before they can learn, you know, the best. But we as teachers need that as well. And so we need to find whatever it is that is, you know, good for us. What helps us take out of that mindset? For him, it's running. Um, I, for me personally, I'm not a great runner. However, I do like a bit of exercise. I like, you know, working in the gym a little bit or perhaps just spending time and watching a film that I love or something like that. Just something which takes you out of that mindset and lets you just reset and zone out for a bit. Uh, whatever that might be, um, do it because you need to look after yourself. Um, I loved that chat with Paul, and and you could tell that he has uh, some some really interesting thoughts on that. So if you uh, if you want to get in touch with him, he is on Twitter, like I mentioned, uh, at Teacher Paul nineteen seventy eight. I I fully I, I recommend and encourage you to to follow him on there because um, you know if you've got any of the questions about what he shared or any or anything that you want to learn more from him about looking after your well-being and, and making sure you, you you know yourself more, he'd be a really good place to start. Uh, and and now as we start to go through more of the list of primary education voices, I'm sure we'll uh, be able to go to some of his recommendations as well. A few of those people have already been recommended uh, to me and I want to make sure we try and get them on there. So watch this space. All that's left for me to say is that if there's a primary education colleague that uh, you'd love to hear more from, you can contact me on Twitter through at Prime Edu Voices 
or me personally at mroberts90matt and let me know what inspiring primary teacher, TA or support staff you'd love to hear on a future episode. Please do subscribe to the podcast. It would really help and share it with your fellow primary practitioners. Even better, leave a review on your podcasting platform to help get this word out of this podcast. I've learned so many things over these 22 episodes and they are just going to keep coming and I'm just loving it uh, every time I get to sit down with an inspirational colleague. So please do leave a review on whatever platform you use and share it with one person on Twitter. I I I invite you to do that. Uh, Thank you for joining me for another Primary Education Voice and see you again next time where we will meet another inspirational educator.